But I want to read to you from Matthew chapter 2, just verses 1 and 2. It says there, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, he was the earthly king in that region, in that area, the earthly ruler there. It says, Behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. I want to focus on that a little bit this evening. I want to build on the theme of what you heard here tonight, Behold Your King. Americans are, are kind of funny about this, as we, we generally don't like kings. I don't know if you knew this or not, but we had one once, and that didn't go so well for us. We didn't like it. And so we decided we didn't want a king and got, got rid of him. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that story. But what's interesting to me about our, our funniness about, toward, about kings is we're still infatuated with the royal family. I think anytime something happens there, whether there's a wedding or a death or something, we're just very, very intrigued and infatuated about that. But while Americans in our government, we do not have a king, uh, we do have a king as far as our spirituality is concerned, and his name is Jesus. I think it's wonderful. He's not just a king. He is the king. In fact, the Bible says that he is the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords. I'm thankful that our king is... He's not a tyrant. If you study American history, you know we felt that our king was oppressive and uh, tyrannical. But we know that this king, the Lord Jesus, is not a tyrant. In fact, he's not just a figurehead either. He's not somebody that sits in a fancy carriage or car and waves politely at his people. No, no, he, he is not a figurehead. He is the king. You know, in her history, Israel has always had an up and down relationship with God. And so in the times of Samuel, you know that they rejected God as their king and they demanded to have an earthly king like the rest of the nations did. And so what this did is it led to a, a mix of good and, and mostly bad kings. And so for centuries, the Jewish people anticipated the arrival, not just of a, a king, but of a special king through the lineage of David. So unfortunately, though, they were accustomed to leadership of an earthly king, so what they envisioned was some kind of political revolutionary instead of a spiritual redeemer. It's likely that here in this text, these wise men envisioned the same, which is why when they traveled afar from the east, they came bringing great gifts that they wanted to present to this king. So in verse 2, we see that they had seen his star but they had seen the star, but they came arriving and wanted to see Him. They wanted to see Him. And that's the title of our music presentation tonight and even of the sermon, Behold Your King. If you were to look up the definition of behold, it just means to see or observe a thing or a person, especially a remarkable or impressive one. Oh friend, if we could just see the glory of God just a little bit tonight. It's impressive, it's remarkable. And I would imagine that these wise men, I, I don't know what was going through their heads when they stood around that babe that evening and that, or that morning. I, I don't know if they were impressed at something remarkable, but what they were seeing was something so incredibly remarkable. Behold your king. I want you to know tonight that there are requirements when in the presence of royalty. Uh, maybe you're supposed to use the proper titles, your majesty, your highness. You're supposed to bow your neck or to curtsy. You're to dress formally. You, you are not to touch royalty. 
stand in a certain spot. There's a decorum. Tonight, I just want to present to you very quickly three requirements if we are to behold the king. Number one, I want you to see this, beholding the king requires a choice. You know, there was no indication that the star was hidden or obscure. So it's likely that these wise men weren't the only ones to see it. And probably they weren't the only ones that recognized the significance of what they were seeing. But we, as far as our knowledge is concerned, these are the only ones we know of that followed the star to worship this king. They chose to follow it. In fact, in verses 9 and 10, this was not, we see this was not something they were forced to do. Look what it says. It says, when they had heard the king, the king, meaning Herod, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till they came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Meaning this, this was something they wanted to do, and they did it with a happy heart. And this led them to worship him. That word worship carries the idea of reverent devotion to a deity or an intense love or admiration. And that's what they did. They didn't just say they were going to worship him. They did it by bowing down. They acknowledged his superiority. They acknowledged his worth. And I'm pointing out tonight that they were very intentional about what they were doing. I want you to see, secondly, beholding the king requires a commitment. We don't know all that was involved in their journey. But I was a youth director for many years, just going on a youth activity, organizing several dozen teenagers to go somewhere, organizing a trip, organizing an event like you saw tonight. That doesn't just happen by accident. And you could imagine what, what took place as they loaded up their, their uh, belongings, they loaded up their provisions, and they took this journey far from the east. And we, we knew it took some serious effort. So again, I point out the application. They weren't like so many who start out strong and turn back to the end. No, they followed this all the way through. Billy Sunday was a great uh, evangelist. He used to be a pro professional baseball player and turned an evangelist. And this is what he said. He said, stopping at third adds no more to the score than striking out. It doesn't matter how well you start if you fail to finish. These men started their journey. And they found their way all the way to behold the king. It, it required some commitment. Don't you see, thirdly, beholding the king requires a cost. The reason we often reference the three wise men is that we know that there were three gifts. Now, it's very likely there could have been more than three wise men, but we just know there were three gifts, and so we recognize three wise men. I'd imagine many of you have a nativity scene and well, if you're trying to be real biblical, you put your wise men way over here because they're still traveling to get there, right? And so there are these three kings, these three leaders with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Understand that that gold, uh, it's, it's symbolic. In Persia, it was customary that nobody could approach a king without the presence of the gift of, a, of gold. And so they brought gold for this king. But they also brought frankincense. Frankincense was an incense that was used in temple worship. Leviticus mentions it as a type of sacrifice. And understand that Jesus was a priest that would open the way of God to people. He would intercede for man to God and God to man. And so that was symbolic as well. But they also brought myrrh. Myrrh was, a, was something that was mixed with aloes by the, the Jews to embalm their dead. And it signified the fact that Jesus would die for us. And so they brought these costly materials. 
In fact, I thought it was wonderful we sang a song this morning, a newer hymn. There was a line in it if you paid attention. They said this, gold, a king is born today. Incense, God is with us. Myrrh, his death will make a way. By his blood, he'll win us. So it was very costly what they gave to him. But understand, it did not just cost their, their resources. It also cost them their time. It cost them their safety. But they were willing to pay that price to behold their king. I want to quote to you missionary C.T. Studd. C.T. Studd came from a family of wealth and prominence. He was very well known in his nation as almost a celebrity. And he gave up his wealth and his fame to become a missionary in China. And this is what he said. If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for Him. Friend, if we're going to see God tonight, if we're going to behold our King, I remind you, it will cost us something. Well, we have not beheld Him with our eyes, but one day we will. Don't you love the words of our Lord? He said that, you know, people that have seen me, they're blessed, but more blessed are those that see Him by faith. But I'm going to be thankful for the day, and I'm sure you are too, when our faith will become sight. And I quote to you the great scripture from the book of Philippians that the Apostle Paul wrote by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit when he said, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted Him and given Him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What a great King we have. I was thinking about that theme, Behold Your King. And we are able to behold Him through the pages of Scripture and the power of the Holy Spirit. But I was thinking of a sermon that I heard many years ago. It was by an African-American pastor named S.M. Lockridge. And I would thought about reading to you his sermon entitled, My King. But I cannot preach it or proclaim it the way he did. So I'm going to pray a, play a brief excerpt from that sermon, and I want you to think of the glories of the king this choir was singing about tonight. He's a king of the Jews. That's a racial king. He's a king of Israel. That's a national king. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of the ages. He's a king of heaven. He's a king of glory. He's a king of kings. And he is a lord of lords. Now that's my king. Well, I wonder if you know him. Do you know him? Don't try to mislead me. Do you know my king? David said the heavens declare the glory of God and the front of it showeth his handiwork. My king is the only one whom there no means of measure can define his limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of his solar supplies. No barriers can hinder him from pouring out his blessing. Well, well, he's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's impurely powerful. He's impartially merciful. That's my king. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands alone in himself. He's august. He's unique 
He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's supreme. He's preeminent. Well, he's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the supreme problem in high criticism. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the cardinal necessity of spiritual religion. That's my king. He's the miracle of the age. He's the superlative of everything good that you choose to call him. Well, he, he's the only one able to supply all of our needs simultaneously. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He star guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. Do you know him? Well, my king is a key of knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. He's a master of the mighty. He's a captain of the conquerors. He's the head of the heroes. He's the leader of the legislators. He's the overseer of the overcomers. He's the governor of governors. He's a prince of princes. He's the king of kings. And he's the lord of lords. That's my king. Yeah. Yeah. That's my king. My king. Yeah. His office is manifold. His promise is sure. His life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Well, I wish I could describe him to you, but he, he's indescribable. He's indescribable. Yeah. He, he's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. I'm trying to tell you, the heavens of heavens cannot contain him, let alone a man explaining him. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't get him off of your hand. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. That's my king. Yeah! He always has been, and he always will be. I'm talking about he had no predecessor, and he'll have no successor. There was nobody before him, and there'll be nobody after him. You can't impeach him, and he's not going to resign. That's my king.
the kingdom and the power and the glory. All the power belongs to my king. We around here talking about black power and white power and green power. But it's God's power. Thine is the power. And the glory. We try to get prestige and honor and glory for ourselves, but the glory is all His. Yes, thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever and ever. How long is that? And ever and ever and ever and ever. And, ever. and when you get through with all of the forevers, then amen. I'd like to quote him. I wish I could describe him to you. I hope tonight through song and through message, you've been able to get a little bit of glimpse of who our King is. And I'd like to just ask you two simple questions tonight. One that our brother already asked. Do you know Him? Do you know Him? Is He your Lord and your Savior? Well, not just your King, because every knee will bow. and Every tongue will confess that He is Lord. But do you know Him as your Savior? And if you say yes, then I have another question for you. What would our lives look like if we stopped treating Jesus just as a role model and started serving Him as our King? I think our lives would look different. Do you know Him? Some of you might say, I do not know Him. I want to introduce you to Him tonight. You can leave here with your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, knowing Him as your Savior. If you do know Him then let's humbly bow before Him and adore and behold our King.